the best of times. It was nope. It's just the best of times. The Frogs lost the Big 12 title game, and they stay at number three. TCU has made the 2022 college football playoff and will be taking on the number two seed Michigan Wolverines. We're going to get into the Big 12 title game. The Frogs lost a heartbreaker in overtime in a game that went uh, could have gone a variety of directions. But hey, you, you can't get every single call and can't get every single bounce. Frogs in it finished the season 12-1, and one, but they have a whole other season in front of them. We'll dive into what happened in Arlington. We'll take a look at what's going on in the playoff. And then we will celebrate everything that has gone into the first team from Texas. Not Texas, not Texas A&M, not Tech and not Baylor, to make the college football playoff, the Texas Christian University Horn Frogs. As always, Jeremy Clark, they said this day would never come, and yet here we are. How are you feeling on this Sunday evening? It was a bad Saturday night, but it's been a great Sunday, Jeff. I mean, just great Sunday. Yes, it has been. I had a great Sunday at church. Can can I tell you what I did at church? I want to. I, you, you guys know this is what I do for a living. I've got a, a kind of a, a not to get all preachy here. I kind of have a spiritual discipline that I don't carry my phone around with me on Sunday morning. I want to you know be ready to preach. I want to worship. I I want to be attentive to people. And so I always lock my phone in my desk and then lock my office for both our services. But today I was like, buddy, I'm taking my phone to the 11 o'clock service. So I don't know what went on during the 11 o'clock service before 11.25, but I know that 11.22, the Frogs made the playoff, and I gave a thumbs up to our associate minister, who's also a TCU grad. So it's been a great Sunday. Great, great Sunday. Where do you want so to start, Jeremy? Go so ahead. Were you, were you kind of watching your phone the whole time or just looking for updates while you were giving your sermon? All right, so I, here's the deal. I don't preach until the end of the service. So, like, we're, we we only run, like, an hour. I mean, that's a great advertisement for our church. We're just an hour. And so our 930 service is, you know, we got a huge band, and it's it's kind of a, a rock and roll blues band, like, from Memphis. But our 11 o'clock service is pretty formal. And so I'm sitting up there behind the big pulpit, and I've got the hymnal, and I just kind of open my hymnal and place my phone in there. And every time we would, like, you know, read a prayer or sing a song, I just crack open that hymnal and just go to Twitter and hit refresh, 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 refresh. And then somebody posted it, frogs are in at three. And I was like, this is going to be a great service. Turn my phone off, literally shut the whole thing off and set it off to the side. And I had a little more vigor in my sermon at the 11 o'clock service than I did the 930. Can you believe that? Did you and the associate pastor look at each other when you both found out the news? Oh, did y'all yes. give the the knowingly nod to one I another? I stood up and sang "Rah Rah TCU," <laughs> so that was kind of the giveaway. That was kind of the giveaway. I mean, what? I mean, I I just want to get your emotions. So you know, we, when you see on Twitter, you you open it up and you're you're researching, you're refreshing, and you see TCU's in at three. What's what does your body do at that exact moment? All right, so in that moment, you've got this collision of you know the. We all have we all live through 2014. We all live through 2014, but no two years are the same. No two years of college football are the same. So my emotion was was two things. One was was a sense of of actual this is going to sound so contrarian, an actual sense of trust in the institution that managed college football. 
Now, every college football, every TCU fan will say this. The committee's out to screw us. The committee is out to get us. The Frogs finished 12-1, and and they were ahead of an 11-1 and Ohio State. So I had like this sense of, of relief that they actually assessed the resumes and came away thinking TCU is ahead of Ohio State, TCU is ahead of Alabama. And then in that moment, I think, you know, you know I'm the biggest homer that exists. All of my celebration is for the team. Like, I, I, you know, I know that the players play hard for each other, and I know that they play hard for the fans, but I was so happy for the team because, uh, you know, I, I, I think about guys on that 2014 team that didn't get in, and my heart just kind of broke because they, they never got that opportunity. These guys have that opportunity. And so as much as I'm going to buy 47 T-shirts and I'm trying to figure out how in the world to get to Glendale um, on a preacher's budget, I, I just had this sense of, like, I'm so happy for them. And so that was the collision of emotions of they actually got it right. No one was out to to, uh, to hose us. Turns out Tommy Tuberville is a better campaigner from the state of Alabama than Nick Saban is because Nick was out there. How, did you see Saban stumping for the, for the, for Alabama all night, Jeremy? Did you catch that yeah. on during the SEC? During, you know, on multiple channels. What was your thoughts seeing that? Because it it pissed me off. Well, I knew he I knew he was going to do that, and I knew the TV. I knew they were going to get him on there because he wants to go out and advocate for Bama. And you know what? You know, he's, he's earned that right. Um, I have nothing but respect for Nick Saban as a coach, but to see him go up there and have this smug grin on his face and just talk about how it's the best teams, bro, your team lost to LSU who lost four times, who lost to A&M. You had two weeks to prepare for LSU. And you want to talk about how good your team played in the final three weeks? You had Austin P, Ole Miss, and Auburn, who, by the way, didn't even have a head coach at the time. They had Cadillac Williams. But just to see his smug face and know how he was grinning and everything else up there, I look at that and dude needs to be in politics when he retires from football because that's that's how I think of Saban. Every time I watch that guy's press conference, he's very arrogant, which he's earned that right. He can be how he wants to be. But he just treats the media like complete crap. Every reporter in those press conferences with him have to walk on eggshells. And he's he's just re- – you ask a question, it's like the worst question in the world. Oh, my God, how can you ask that? You know, it's just – I don't do good Nick Sabins, by the way. Much better at Gary Patterson. But anyhow – I just I love the fact that this guy was out there trying to campaign and these Fox and ESPN we were all trying to let him advocate for his program and you still don't get in. I loved it. I, I loved I almost loved the fact that Alabama didn't get in as much as I did the fact that TCU got in. That's that's how I was uh today because I went to bed pissed off last night too. I didn't go to bed probably till about one or two. I was reading all these message boards. Mostly Alabama. I was reading how the Oh, man, the you got sucked into the vortex. Oh, yeah, yeah. So and then I got up this morning about 6 a.m., and I thought, well, I'm just going to start picking fights and see if I can get any anybody riled up. And uh, I got a couple, but no, no one really – I think – I think people, and and maybe I'm a victim of this too, I think people when they saw Nick trying to advocate, I think it was more about him trying to get in over Ohio State because I, I think – legitimately unless you're just an idiotic fan 
I think a lot of people that watch college football and respect the game know that call that TCU had a very good resume. And when you look back at it, let's talk about it for a second. They have one loss. They have one loss to a 10-win team, a 10-win team that their only losses are to a 12-win team, an 11-win team, and an eight-man team or eight-win team. So it wasn't like TCU's only loss of the year was to a cough cough six six and six team or seven and four team or eight and four team um tcu by far had the best resume of those top four teams but yeah i was to make this answer short it's already long but yeah i was pissed off i i I don't i don't like that crap i don't like and i just don't like the whole smugness and that whole freaking grin that that we had to sit there and watch and listen to the stuff that was being spewed out i mean you lost two games, deal with it, and prepare for next year. Yeah, he lost two games, and here's the other thing, and we're not going to make this an Alabama podcast, but we are going to delight in the suffering of others here for a moment. You know, they lost to Tennessee, who got the doors blown off of them by Georgia, correct? Yes. They lost to LSU, who lost four games, who got the doors blown off of them by Georgia. So if 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 they want to be the tribute to go out there in the in the in the Kirby Smart Hunger Games, they they need to at least put up a better a better fight against teams that have already been blown out by Georgia. So what you know, two two sports writers I do want to I want to lift up here. One you you probably bump into him in the press box yesterday, uh, Jeremy uh, Shahan J Raja, who covers uh, the, he's he's a Baylor grad, and I don't hold that against him because he's actually pretty objective and does a fair job for the frogs. So he he works for one of the national outlets, but he had tweeted. Is anybody going to ask Nick Saban why he has all this free time to interview on a Saturday? Oh, it's because their team didn't make the playoff. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I thought that was great. Is somebody just going to say, Nick, why why are you sitting at home while a four loss team is getting blown out? And then the other one, I got, I did, I did listen to about an hour podcast that I got home, or hours worth of podcast when I got home from church. Uh, Tom Fernelli, who works for who who does uh, cover three podcasts for our own CBS Sports, he said, "Whenever a Bama fan says to you, well, what would happen if TCU played Alabama? What would happen if Alabama played Ohio State? What they're not asking is what already happened. Well, what already happened is Alabama lost twice in what is a down year in the SEC. They couldn't even win. Absolutely, a, they couldn't even get to the title game in a down year in the SEC. So whenever somebody says online, "What would happen if TCU played X?" Just bring up to them, "Well, what's already happened when they played a four-loss LSU team?" So with a first-year head coach. So let's let's not forget the fact too that Alabama lost to LSU. LSU played in the SEC championship, but. Jeff, who did they lose to a couple weeks ago? Oh, I'm going to go back to Thanksgiving. Do you remember that? It was uh, there's this little town between Austin and Houston. I believe it is College Station, and and I think there is is that Blinn? Is that what you're talking about? No, but yeah, it's no, another that, team that hadn't won five. Ga- they had won four games, right? Four games. Yeah, they they got beat by at the time a four win with what one of those wins over UMass. Yes. Uh, an FCS team. I mean, I, I, anyway, that and, is and they not lost, and, and, and a you know making his first start a true freshman quarterback. Yes, and they only did, right. they didn't only get beat. They got beat pretty handily. Yeah, they got the doors beat off of them. By the, that by was the, the only semblance of an offense that Jimbo had all year. So, 
Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. If, you know, people, people can sit there, they want to, you know, here, here's the problem with a lot of rationale from some of these fans that all they pay attention to is their team and not really college football as a whole. Anyone that watches college football that watched the big 12 this year, they, they understand that the big 12 was a conference of parody and it really and truly is the only conference out there that I really felt like a first place team could lose to a 10th place team on any given Saturday. And we saw, we saw a lot of those games like that where the, where the games were very close and I don't care what anyone says. They, they've got this ignorant brand bias. That's going to be the, you know, how the, the, the phrase after COVID, the new normal the brand by, yeah. Brand bias is going to be the, the new phrase that we hear every year, um, hopefully not anymore since it's going to be expanded. But this, I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I run into people on my Facebook, which you probably saw, um, people on Twitter. They, they have no clue about TCU other than they're 12-1. And, and, oh, guess what? They played a sorry schedule. They play a weak conference. Stephen A. Smith went up there on national television saying, who has TCU played? And you in in this whole notion, I got an argument yesterday with the OU fan. The whole no, notion of the Big Twelve is if Texas or OU's not any good, then the Big Twelve must not be any good, and that's bullcrap. Because here in about the next few years, and for the foreseeable future, TCU's going to become the next OU. They're going to become the team that sits on top of that mountain. And everyone's going to have the desire to want to knock off the top of that mountain. TCU, we're just beginning to see what's going to be happening over the next several years for them. And even Kurt Herbstreit said the same thing. You know, Kurt actually had some nice things to say about TCU during the selection show. I could, I actually was kind of floored. So I was. Well, I was over there. I was over there to yeah, get take, the Yeah, take all right, let's go, let's go there. You take 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 us to the scene of what happened at the Letterman's Lounge. Well, I mean, there was a ton of people there, all the players were there of course, and spirits were high. I I, I think some of them felt like they did enough to get in, and I think some of them felt kind of uneasy cuz like you said earlier, the 2014 has just left a bad taste in a lot of TCU folks' mind. I mean, I had Ranthony Tejada's dad mention, you know, posted on my Facebook that, you know, he felt like TCU was going to be left out just because of what happened in 2014 and you didn't have the whole name on the front of the jersey. But it was really cool, man. I, I'll admit it. It was it was exciting. It's just, just to be a part of that scene and see the reaction, see the, the pure joy of all the players and all the – uh, coaches, support staff, everyone that's involved in that program, just knowing that they're going to have a chance to play in the college football playoff. I mean, it was it was awesome. It was it's something I'll never forget because it's part of history. I mean, like you said earlier, TCU is the first program from the state of Texas that gets to hold the distinction of being the first program ever from Texas to make the playoffs, and no one can ever take that away from them. No one's ever going to be able to take away the fact that no matter how mad you get that TCU's in, they're in, and they finish number three. And I, I, we, we 
rag on the committee a little bit. We we talk bad about them, but they finally got it right. And I, it, they finally got it right, and and I really felt that they were just because of the body of work that TCU had produced. It was easy for Georgia and Michigan to be one and two, but um, I really felt like the way with the way the game finished yesterday in Arlington that there's just no way. And that's what I tweeted too. I I even put it out there on the Twitterverse so people could call me out if in case I got it wrong. But I predicted exactly how it finished just because I felt like if you look at college football and you expand your viewership beyond your favorite team or beyond the the conference that your team's in, you know those are likely the four best teams. I do feel bad for USC because I feel like some of these teams, USC, now if they would have played close against Utah, I could see a scenario where maybe they hop in over Ohio State, but you got the you got the teams with the most wins and the least amount of losses all in the college football playoff together, so that was great. But yeah, just the uh, the emotion of the excitement. I brought Brody with me today too because I wanted him to to be a part of that and see, you know, reactions from players when they when they achieve one of their goals. So it was it was cool, man. It was it was a lot of fun to be around. So we had some press availability with with Coach Dykes. Um, I know you wrote an article. You can find that on our website at hornfrogblitz.com. Just give us a few summary thoughts. What what was Coach Dykes's reaction, especially because I have seen the video that's bouncing around, and he he is he is hopping around like he just had a pick six. That man, he may be you know closer to our age than the guys, but he was moving like a like a linebacker. What was Coach Dykes's excitement like when you were able to interview him face to face? I think it was. A lot of excitement, I think a lot of relief. I think, you know, he even said going in that he felt like they had done enough to get in, but no one really ever truly knows if you're gonna be in or not until the committee announces it. But I I think uh, you know, just just watching him, he was it was kind of funny because he was talking to some folks before the announcement, then there was a point in time where he just kinda stood not by himself but not by anyone else associated with TCU there was a you know a few media people about three or four feet away from him but he just kind of stood there drank his coffee and was just taken in the moment and it, it, as soon as the announcement was made of course he's fist pumping and everything else going up hugging players and it was it was pretty cool but you could I, I watched him for a minute, not to sound like a creep, but I watched him for a minute before the announcement was made just to just to watch to see uh how he was taking everything in. And it was it's one of those deals where you feel like it's like a job interview. You feel like you went in there and just kicked butt in your interview and did everything right, but you just don't know if you did enough. And then when they call you and tell you you got the job, just the pure excitement, I could see that with Sonny Dykes. Sonny, Sonny just it, it was it was really cool. I, I, I he told us he felt like they did enough, but you just like I said earlier, you just don't know until you know for sure. And you could definitely see that it was really cool. Well, let's backtrack a couple of steps to, to what opened the door for this opportunity to, to be the number three team, as well as what kind of ramped up our anxiety about it. Let's go back to Friday night. You mentioned that you actually kind of, you know, you hated that USC got into the title game. 
and suffered while Ohio State is sitting at home. And, you know, there's I'm glad we're moving away from four teams because there is there is obviously if you if you play and you lose, you are punished. And I just that that's a tough one. And I think it's a tough pill to swallow for for, you know, let, let's just stop. What, hold on. I'm, I'm speaking so fast because I'm so excited. <laughs> Maybe there is not a brand bias. Maybe it's not about a helmet game. USC loses and they drop back. I think three spots. TCU loses and doesn't drop back at all. Utah is a team I would not want to play right now. So you know, USC loses. They get they do get their they not only get beat they get manhandled on the field by by Utah. Did you watch any of that game um, for for U, U, Utah USC? Because I'm not going to lie, I had some some old brother-in-arms Mountain West days that I was excited for Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham is kind of the new new Gary Patterson. He's been there. He continues to win. And you know his teams are just going to go out there and probably take a sledgehammer to your spleen. And I, I was really excited watching the, the USC get, get their, their nose beat in. Did that defense from USC look familiar to you as well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely it did. The the – the shredded, the I mean the uh, Swiss cheese defense. Yes, it is yeah. the Swiss 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 cheese defense, but out west it's on avocado toast. So. <laughs> I love the. I west was Coast were you surprised by by how big of a margin Utah was able to win that game by? Well, it's. I, I to answer your question, I did watch that game. I I really like Utah. I really like Kyle Whittingham. I I, I think it's kind of uh, cool to still see him. Like you said, you remember him from the Mountain West days. It's cool to see him still coaching at Utah. I um, mean, he's done a great job with that program. And they've been through a lot the last few years. A couple of players died, a couple of local kids from DFW. Yeah. Um, they got a pipeline and, to, to Euless Trinity. Yeah, ab- absolutely. That's and what they, I they've they've done they've done really well recruiting in the DFW area. But it's cool to see guys that that I know. Like Quentin Jackson's a guy that I used to interview all the time. TCU had offered him. Cameron Rising is a guy that TCU was in kind of early before he committed uh, committed to Texas. But it was really neat to see those guys just go at it. And, and USC really didn't have an answer for it. And I think that's why, you know, it it made the committee's job a lot easier for Utah to play the way they did and just really just put it on USC. What was the – they won by three scores, right? Wasn't it 47-24, something crazy like yeah, that? Yeah, I think it was 20 20- – 47-24. Yeah, it it was it was a blowout. And obviously Caleb Williams got hurt late in the game and uh he was he was trying to make plays and and credit to him for trying to make plays, but Utah was not losing that game. Utah had already beat them earlier in the year and if I remember right, the the one thing that I don't think USC had to do, did they did they play Washington? I don't believe they played Washington. Did they play Oregon? I don't believe so because they still played the division schedule, but they dropped the division uh, rankings for the playoff for the big for the Pac-12 title. So they they still had the residue of you play the the, the your the South and the North and then a few crossovers and then uh, but then they just picked the two highest ranked teams and won in one as if it were one division, even though they played as if they had two divisions. I don't think they did. Okay. I don't think they did either. Um, so you're not 
playing to it because I think Washington won ten games and Oregon. Yeah, won. Washington with Michael Penix is man, that's a great quarterback. Yeah, I don't watch one a.m. football on a Saturday night, but he's a he's a heck of a quarterback. Well, if I, I mean, I think Washington finished ten and two, mm-hmm. and Oregon, I can't remember how I think many they, nine and three. Yeah, nine and three. So you don't man, play. I, I like you, I like Bo Nix. Yeah, you don't play two of your tougher teams in your conference, and that's one thing that some of the realists in college football and some of the guys that know college football, that's one thing that they spoke highly about TCU and the big 12 in general is like, you don't, you don't get to miss anyone. You have to play everyone in that conference. There's not a year where you, you get a Vanderbilt on your, you're, you don't, you don't get to miss a tough opponent like you do in the sec, like you do in the ACC, like you do in the pac 12 or big 10. You just you don't get you, you don't you don't get that in the you don't get that in the uh, Big Twelve. So you get Purdue, who is one fluke win away from going to the Rose Bowl because of just how imbalanced the Big Ten West is. Or even Iowa. I mean, Purdue had to beat Iowa to get into the. I mean, that's <laughs> and that's what people like. You look at you look at the uh, the Big Ten championship. I mean, Iowa's one loss away from playing in that game, and guess who they lost to? Iowa State. They lost to Iowa. The last I wanted Iowa in the Big to, win, 12. to be in the Big Ten title game so bad. So yeah, that the so, best team in the Big Ten West lost to the worst team in a in a round robin Big Twelve. Yeah, uh, so I had I had two tweets I saw from the, the Utah game that I wanted to read to you. One of them is from Joel Anderson, who was a backup running back to Ladanian Tomlinson, who's a national writer now, and he wrote, Utah is just going weight room on USC tonight. Yeah. <laughs> They were. <laughs> kind of like that. The other one was from our own Dean uh, Straka, and he said it was a little more than just a decade ago when Utah and TCU broke out of the Mountain West ranks and joined the Power Five. And uh, that, that's a heck of a feeling. One more here. Shout out to the old Mountain West. It was so cool when TCU and Utah played each other instead of just beating up on Texas and USC all the time. That was from the <laughs> Solid Verbal. I like that one. Oh. Yeah, that. I mean, that's but that's what you get when. When you play, and, and, and like I said, I I feel bad for USC because that's what you get. Because if you go out there and you have a game like that, because let's be honest, I mean, we could all be sitting in the same situation with TCU right now if they were to go out there and get blown out. I mean, if they would have just rolled over in that fourth quarter and Kansas State ends up winning by 17, I mean, this could be a completely different conversation we're having right now. Um but I, I think with the new format coming, more teams going into it, I just – I feel like with the four-team format, you're, you're really – I mean, you're, risk, you're, risking, you're risking being knocked out of a chance to compete for a national championship if you lose your conference championship game. And, and look at Ohio State. Look at Georgia. Didn't, Georgia didn't even win the Southeast Conference last year, and they won the national championship – they were sitting at home, I believe, when they were uh, – or maybe I'm getting wrong, but I know they didn't win the SEC. But No, they got beat by Alabama in the SEC title game last year, and then they beat Alabama in the national title game. Right. So some of these, some of these teams, they sit at home, but they still get rewarded, and that's kind of what Nick Saban was wanting with, with Alabama this year. Hey, we, we've, won, we've won 10 games, and – you know, we feel like we're one of the top teams in the in the nation, and he they do have one of the top teams in the nation. But this was a year that 
there was just better teams. And and I don't buy the whole, oh, well, if we played a game, who's gonna are we gonna be favored or are we gonna be the underdog? I don't I mean, you 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 play the game on the field. You don't play it on paper. You don't play it by betting lines. You don't do any that's that was the stupid, most dumb argument that they had had out of the whole deal. You had your chance. The the house always I hate when they bring up betting odds. I, I'm aware that there's a lot that goes into that. But that is designed for dumb middle aged men like you and me to give Las Vegas money. People that, that, that win like fifty seven percent of their bets are you know, that that's the top that's that's the top of the market. That's as good as it can get. This idea that that betting lines somehow determine what a game is or what what how good teams are, they determine what's the best line we can put to get action on both sides and make money. That's what it is. So I don't even get me started on that. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, I guarantee a lot of people early in the year thought Alabama was going to go into Austin. They were the heavy favorites, right? I mean, weren't they? I think yeah. I think it was weren't, twenty. Yeah. They were were 20-point favorites going into Austin, and they got out of Austin with a one-point win. So don't give me that bull crap. If you lined up against any of these teams, who would be favored, who would be – whoever thought that would be a good idea or if he thought that was a good idea to sit out there and say that, good grief. I mean, you play the game on the field. Like you said, you don't play it with betting lines. And I wish someone would have said it online that, man, what a you you were favored by twenty points, bro, in Austin, and you you came away with one point, and pretty much anyone that watched that game came away with the thought of if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt, you guys probably get beat. Your team wasn't a top four team this year, Coach. We're sorry to tell Absolutely. you, but mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm still on my Alabama rant because I got a lot of Alabama friends. I just love rubbing it in their face. Oh, I'm sure. Now they're they're all T-shirt fans. They're not Alabama fans because they grew up watching the Bear. Most definitely it's, T-shirt. Most, yep. All right. Well, let's uh, let's pivot back to what we uh, what got us here in the first place, and that was actually a hard fought loss. And so let's 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 work backwards from the end of the of the uh, day yesterday at Jerry World all the way through the game. Let's begin with the heartbreaking moment. Uh, it's not the game, though the game was awful. If you are wanting to get some Christmas tears out of the way, go watch Max Duggan's post-game interview. Jeremy's posted it online. I posted it online. You can track it down on YouTube. That is... Um, I, I don't want to knock Tebow. I respect Tebow as a human being, and I don't want to worry about who, you know, whether his throwing arm was strong. But that Tebow pledge of when they had gotten beat by Ole Miss, this kind of like runs laps around that. Jeremy, you were there in the press in the press conference. Max Duggan just deflated, not because they lost, but because they he, the loss means he couldn't bring a Big Twelve championship to the school that he wanted to, to bring the school to that he cares about so much. What was it like to experience Max Duggan's emotional post-game conference after a 31-28 overtime loss to K-State? Well, it was was heartbreaking. I'll admit it, man. I mean, there was – it was tough. I mean, tough for him to sit through eight minutes to answer questions. And Max usually has a red face after a game anyway. And so you really couldn't tell when he came in there. He was was in there – 
a few minutes after after D and 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 Quentin had left, and you could tell he was probably trying to compose himself and and get ready to go in there and answer questions. Um, but you could tell immediately. You know, I was sitting front row, and you could tell that there was def, definite um, tears in his eyes. And then when he first started to talk, you knew that it was going to be a really tough press conference for him. Um, like you said, he wanted to win that game, I think, more than anyone. I mean, it reminded me, like you mentioned, the Tim Tebow thing. It was – and honestly, I was I was waiting for him to say something along the lines, you'll never see a, a team work harder. You'll never see an individual – you know, kind of like what Tebow was saying because it just, it just felt like that. And it just – it shows it shows the emotion of college football and how much an individual wants to win and, and represent a school and and do something that he set his mind out to to do and it's you know after we were walking out of the the presser with him and was talking to a couple people Jamie and Plunkett and a couple other people from Frogs Today and it was it was. A lot like you. You remember when TCU played Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, and everyone sat there. The Wisconsin fans were like, "Oh, Wisconsin didn't really care if they lost anyway." The, but here, here we had JJ Watt up there just spilling his heart out in the in the post game pressure because he wanted to win that game so bad. And I think that's how, I think that's how um, Max was feeling after that. It was tough, man. It was tough. I, it just just watching the pure emotion, knowing how much I know Max and how long I've known him. It, I mean, he he does it all for TCU, man. If there was if there was anyone that I, I don't care if he throws a bad pass or he doesn't make a great decision, people can talk about that. You know, what are you doing, Max? Whatever. But you can never question the guy's heart. And the guys' will to try to help TCU win a football game. I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. If you can't sit there and go back and watch the final, what, 11 minutes of that ball game and not want your son to turn out like Max Duggan, you just, you have a hateful personality. Because as a TCU, <laughs> as a TCU, that's right. As a TCU as a TCU fan, that's the guy that is the epitome of your program. That's the guy that you want everyone to talk about when they talk about TCU. It's going to be so great because we're going to find out tomorrow. But Max is going. I, I'm going. I'm going to put it out there just like I did the projections on the playoffs. Max is going to be in New York City. Mm. And I had I had one person tell me yesterday, and I'm not going to say who it was, but it's another media member. He told me yesterday that before the game, he was going to vote for Caleb Williams. And he said, there's no way I'm voting for Caleb Williams. My vote's going to be for Max. Mm-hmm. Straight up. I mean, he that's, that's what he said. And that – despite TCU losing as a TCU fan, you guys will never, and me as a journalist, I will never forget 
the way he played in those final minutes. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't bad. But that that was a magical moment for TCU football in those final minutes of that fourth quarter. And if you're you know, if, it if was you disagree, a magical moment. If you disagree at me all you want, I don't care. That's right. Send all of your complaints to I don't give a crap at gmail.com. Um let's talk about that fourth quarter. Let's talk about how Max put the put the team on his back and, and carried them to victory. So the frogs are, are down eight. Let's let's just start there. The frogs are down eight, and uh, they they get the ball with about four four uh, roughly five minutes uh, left. Frogs have the ball. Max rushes up the you know breaks it for fifteen yards. Uh, you know we have a, a pass for to Kendra Miller for a loss, uh, another incomplete pass, and then it's third and uh, twelve. And we're, what do we do? Or third and fifteen? What do we do? Run Max again, and then we run Max again on fourth and two, and he picks up nineteen yards. Then we have a absolute bogus. Uh, 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 pass interference. Did do you, you know? Did, did you did you think that was an absolute hogwash pass interference against Jordan Hudson? Here's the thing. I okay. So when we're in the press box, it's real time. I'm watching the field, and if I don't think about it, I don't look at the TV or I don't. It and they did a horrible job of showing that replay. Did Jordan ever push him, or was it just like I? I haven't gone back and seen the play yet. Okay, but, well, I can tell you what I saw. Now, you know I wear purple lenses, purple lenses. I saw a little hand fighting, and then I saw separation that had nothing to do with the contact from either player. There's there's no way that that was passed. That was a cheat. That was a terrible officiating crew, which we'll get to in a second. But that, gosh, man, you talk about that is not the moment to uh, make sure that you get some face time for your in-laws. I was not impressed with that call. Yeah, mm, that was that was hogwash. Well, yeah, there, so, there was. So you know, just it, that 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 drive. You know, the the up the upside is, you know, Max, you know, follows that up with a forty yard rush. Another, you know, two plays later, we, you know, we got the first and twenty five. Demarcado runs for five yards, and then Max breaks it off for forty yards. He doesn't get in, so he breaks it off again for eight yards, and the frogs get in, and then he finds Jared Wiley on on a well designed two point play. I got to I got to give Garrett Riley uh, credit for that, and that yeah. ties it up. That. that that guy needs a wheelbarrow to get down the hallway, if you understand what I'm saying. That was one of the best drives I have ever seen, and I saw both Baylor drives this year, and that was just ridiculous in terms of what he accomplished. You said somebody said I was going to vote for Caleb Williams, and now I'm voting for Max Heisman or, or Max Duggan for Heisman. He can't be the only one that is thinking no. that way after that drive yesterday. And that's and and that's what kind of takes me off about some of the voting because I know a lot of people probably sent in their votes before that game. And let me tell you, Caleb is a phenomenal player. He probably is the best player in college football. But I think when you when you talk about Heisman and, and just what it means, you got to be really good at football and you got to be the guy that has helped your team to a phenomenal season. And I really think Max – checks off both both of those boxes Caleb does too but when you look at what Max has done where he's come from everyone knows everyone knew Caleb Williams coming into the season was going to be a phenomenal player because he was a 
great player last year at OU. Max, everyone knew about, but there was uncertainty with how good a player he he was. He wasn't even the starter. I mean, let's start there. He was the backup. He didn't win the job out of fall camp. And lo and behold, he's setting records. He was by far the best quarterback in the Big 12, and it wasn't even close. Um, and I think he's – I think he – if I had a vote, I'd vote for Max just simply for what he's done for TCU football. They were 5-7 and seven last year. They were picked 7th in the Big 12. Even though uh, USC didn't have a great year last year and they've had a good year this year, I don't think a lot of people were writing them off like they were writing off TCU. No one expected this. We had this big, long conversation last week about this. But what Max has been able to do, he's put up gaudy numbers. He's He has those Heisman moments. When he ran that eight-yard touchdown, he is gassed. He, can, he can't even stand up. He's got blood running down his forearm. I mean, someone ha, someone's going to – I'll predict this. Someone is going to have that picture – in their house, or maybe up at TCU's football facilities in the foreseeable future, with Max bent over on his knees in the end zone, trying to catch his breath with blood running down his arm. I mean, that moment right there, I get chills just talking about it. That that was just a cherry on the top of a, of a beautiful drive that he engineered. And the fact that he's even able to get a snap and throw the ball to Jared Wiley on the next play for two points, just knowing how dog-tired he is, hey, congrats, thank God for Coach Cause. I mean, you know, who would have known if Max would have been able to stand up? He's having to get helped from offensive linemen to even stand up after that drive. But, yeah, I, I think Max is going to be in New York City, and I can't wait to see the stories on him. He does. He still deflects all the all the talk about it. Still gives credit to his team, and I could promise you, Max is never going to write stuff on his fingernails before a game like some other candidates will. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. Is that is that for real? Is that for is that or is that Photoshop? Please tell me it's Photoshop. I, you know, I I only have so much bandwidth for college football minutia and i fill it up like a buffet like it's, it's a golden corral but i don't know if it's real i saw it and i laughed about some things but i surely did not uh i surely did not try to find out if it was real i just kind of laughed and scrolled and moved on it might have been fake news well i know you go around twitter more than i do so that, that, i do but i don't scroll alabama message boards at one in the morning <laughs> i could have gone on there and started posting on on there just started fights on message boards, but nah, got to be professional. Done that. Got to be professional. That, no, it, I would have. I would. I'd have your back. I'd have your back. Pastor Frog. All right. Well, let's discussion. start. Let, I, all right. We have we have prolonged this because I don't want to be a sore loser. I, I, be, I actually believe sports. I believe the whole purpose of you sports is learning for you to learn how to get your ass kicked in a safe place and take your L. So I know I don't cuss on the show, but I wanted to say that. So all that all that points to, man, don't blame the refs. That's one of my mantras. It's not just because I'm an official. Don't blame the refs. 
Let's blame the refs in the overtime. You ready for it? Go for it. All right, so we have first and 10 at the 10. First of all, that's a bad spot. It should have been first and 10. We had first and goal at the 10. It should have been first and 10 at the 11, but I didn't think they got the spot right. So you're already at 10 yards. You know, on on second on second down, they they play. Do you think Max got in the on on second down down there in the, in the corner end zone with the camera angles and the leaps and the reaches? Do you think that Max uh, was able to get in? And what was the reaction in the press box? I think it was really close. It, I mean, it was the the difference between a sheet of notebook paper if he was in or not. What pisses me off, okay, it was clear where his when his elbow was down, the tip of the ball was basically touching the plane, okay? It was touching the goal line. They kept the damn ball at the one. Why didn't they move the ball up to the one-inch line? I know. They, it should have been like the one-inch line. Yes, it should have been literally. literally now let me let me add this: up. If you want to win the Big Twelve, you should be able to move the damn ball one yard on two plays. So I want to say that as well. That was a terrible spot, but it, you, the spot was wrong. But it's not like it was fifteen yards. So I just I just want to say that. Well, and the the, the people in the press box all felt like it was really close. Now, when Kendra's play happened, everyone thought Kendra extended the ball. And everyone was going nuts asking why they weren't stopping the game to review this. According to what the Big 12 released, they reviewed it upstairs but didn't see enough evidence to ring it downstairs to review the play. They thought they thought that he was that he was stopped. But then again, like you said, you got a really good offensive line, one of the best running backs in the Big 12. You should be able to get one yard. But I am going to say something right now that is on everyone's flipping mind still 24 hours later. How in the hell did you not let Max try one of those plays from under center? Don't give me the – and I don't want to hear the excuse because it's different if a quarterback's taking the handoff under center. He took it under center two straight times to hand – that seemed like it took – a full second to even hand the ball off to Kendra. It was, I didn't like the play at all. I like the fact that they give, I like, I like Kendra having the ball in his hands in that moment because Kendra usually succeeds in that moment. But we're even riding up the elevator. There's like 20 of us in this elevator and everyone on that elevator unanimously said, Max should have carried the ball at least one of those times. At least once. And to Sonny Dyke's credit, he answered the question in the post game. Looking back, probably should have done some things different. That's what he said. And I guarantee that's what yeah. he's I guarantee that's what he's thinking. And that's what everyone else is thinking. And I, and I it it burns you up still because how do you take the ball out of the guy's hands that got you down there and got you in that position in the first place? We'll never know. We'll we'll never know. Well, they would would Garrett Riley probably come on and and say, "Dude, I screwed up." Absolutely, I, I I see him absolutely owning up to that. And 
and the, I I know some people right, had so made who a went, who went in at fullback when they for the final play when they ran that was that Carter that Ware I can't remember I, I think that's what it was I think yeah. it was Carter Ware and so that was if I remember right that was the same play they ran in overtime to beat Oklahoma State. I mean, it literally was. We're going to yeah. get in the eye. We're going to lead with the fullback. We're going to we're going to run to the left, and uh, you know, Kendra's going to take it in. It was almost the identical play. But here's the problem, and in my memory, it may be off. It's it, I can't remember if it was third down or fourth down. I uh, but I'm I'm down in the end zone, just facing the goal line. You know, like I'm I'm, I'm I, it's as it's as if I was a D back looking down where I'm sitting. My gosh, if Max Duggan takes the snap and follows Wes Harris and just falls down, he's in the end zone. Yes. Like their their defensive front was was late in adjusting. And I, I'm just looking at like all they gotta do is take the snap and then Max just leans right into Wes and Wes falls forward and, and they're in. And so at that point you have to be able to run some version of the Bush push or the old-fashioned Bill Snyder, Kansas State, bring three upbacks up, and their entire job is to just push the quarterback forward, which is completely legal. If we run that play, he's, he's standing seven yards in the end zone. Yes. So I, 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 I'm going to give Sonny credit. He owned it, and saying we could have done something different is coach speak for we didn't do that right, and that's I, I give him credit for that, but that was a mistake, and um, – it, it it stunk, and should we also be able to get one yard with Kendra Miller? Absolutely, and that's and that's what Sonny said. Sonny did say that he said they absolutely. If you're gonna if you're gonna be the type of team they want to be, you absolutely should be able to get one yard, less than a yard, in two plays. It <laughs> don't 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 search up pictures from the game because it'll anger you even more if you see the overhead view to how Kansas State lined up. On third and fourth down, they had someone over the center. They didn't have anyone in the A gap, so Max literally no. could have took he literally could have took the snap and used those legs at squat six hundred and fifty pounds, probably seven hundred pounds by now. Yeah, and just muscled his way Leaned into in. the end zone. I mean, literally, yeah. and even Carter Ware go put his shoulder in his back and push him in. And you know our you know the the guy we spoke about earlier, JJ Watt. He went on Twitter and said that is single-handedly the the hardest play to defend quarterback sneak when you have that amount of yards. Mm-hmm. And it so, is, and so we'll always, you know, that's always going to be the, you know, Jeff, you and I talk about it. 2018, Sean Robinson down at Texas. We always talk about yep. that one pivotal play that that we'll never forget, and that's a play right there. That's a that's a sequence of plays we'll never forget. Um, Probably till the day they put us in the ground. Um, Until they put know. us in the ground and the Lord brings us home. Yeah. So yep. it, it, well, it was. Here's the upside. Yep. We, we learned it. We lost. There will be so much paper or so much tape to be able to go over about what we did wrong. And the frogs basically are in the exact same spot exactly. as they would have been if they'd have, if they'd have got that quarterback sneak. That is a perfect situation. They're going to have motivation. They're going to get scolded. You know, Cos is going to light them up. Uh, they're going to go. You know, Sonny's going to go and audit every play, every scheme. And you know what they have that they haven't had since September? A week A off. A week off. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, that's another thing. All these, yeah. all these teams that are in the top four, top six, all of them had bye bye weeks, and I think they're by they're 
most recent bye week. I'm trying to remember who had the most recent one, but it was in it was in October, mid October to late October. TCU's yeah. was September seventeenth. That's what I thought. It yes. was before September seventeenth. Yes, September seventeenth the last Saturday that TCU had off. So wow, you you talk about everything that that team put on paper. Twelve wins. They only they only lost in overtime by field goal. What did Kansas State finish? Number eight or nine? Uh, I think they're number eight. Yeah. Okay. No, they're number nine. They only moved up one. Okay. I, th- I think I got that. So right. you lose you lose to the number nine team who has three losses to all the three really good teams, and you just yeah the the sting hurts from the Big Twelve championship, but guess what? You get to play for a national championship, and yes, you, you and I had this discussion what, three, four weeks ago? Who's the team we felt like TCU would match up best against? Michigan. The Michigan Wolverines. Yep. Hey, you know what the bright spot was, though, at that game yesterday? The Travis Heim tailgate party? Yeah, talk, how was that? I'll tell you about it, but you give me your answer. Let's, let's, let's get this one out of the, the way. The, what was the, the highlight? The highlight of that game yesterday was fan cam, people dancing on the Jumbotron, and I saw... Yes. Pastor Jeffrey Mitchell on the Jerry World Jumbotron dancing. Yeah. What kind of move, were you doing? Like the wall move, the fake wall? Was that what you were doing? I was. I was doing the wall move and uh, having a blast with some friends. And then all of a sudden, I look up. I'm like, "Holy crap! This is the one out there!" <laughs> and every person that follows me on Twitter, every friend on Facebook, folks that I haven't talked to in years, like. My phone just started exploding in my pocket. Hey, I saw you dancing on the screen, man. You're having fun. Come over to section 203. Say hi. You know, every everybody was going. So did you did you see it? Or did like I I, I was curious because I there's a guy that works for Sports Illustrated, Richard Johnson, that was there covering the game, and I'm actually on a message board that he posts on, and he said, "Hey guys, I just saw Jeff Mitchell dancing on the uh, on the on the screen at Jerry World, so I didn't know if it was uh, uh, bouncing around in the press box." Oh yeah, there was a bunch of people that that saw you that know you, because I, I I saw you and and uh, I I immediately said, "Oh, that's there's Jeff," and then. Plunkett saw you and then some other people. Yeah, so we all we all saw you. Did anyone come and buy you a beer at least? Oh, can I talk about that? Yeah. Yes. Like multiple people. So I had someone in line hear me talk and said, Oh my gosh, I wanna and they bought me beer and nachos. Uh, I'm standing there at my spot and I had mentioned I'm standing there in my seat and this guy walks up cold and says to me, Hey, here's your beer. And I'm like, who, who? So I had mentioned on the show last week I was going to be sitting with my friend Guido, and he's like, I, I I know a friend of a friend that knows who Guido is, and he pointed Guido out, and I'm standing next to Guido, and this dude just walks up cold and says, "Here's your beer. Thanks for doing the podcast. We really really appreciate it." At Travis's barbecue, which I'll get to, some guy walked up cold. I mean, I I got these names written down somewhere, but someone another person came up cold. And just said, hey, Jeff, thanks for doing the Frogcast. You and Jeremy do good work. We actually had a really nice conversation. He was very encouraging in a way I appreciate. And uh, it was great. It was great, man. I, I actually was kind of in awe because, you know, I obviously don't get to 
you know, every home game or anything like that. And it, it, it was actually nice to be reminded we're part of a really cool community and that I had so many people tell me how, you know, how much this podcast means to them. I told them, man, sometimes it's really hard work and they're like, we just want you to know how much it means to us and we really appreciate it. Like what a season, what a season for us to be covering it. So yeah, people came up and bought me a beer. You, you want to hear that? But I did go to Travis's barbecue early and then I had to go over to game day with my brother and my nephew because my nephew really wanted to see game day and then he got there and he's like this is really boring and i don't blame him but uh but travis's barbecue has to be the highlight other than than max duggan what if there's a big i know we have multi-million dollar and billion dollar fans uh, travis heim is like the poster child of what it means to be a tcu fan and a fort worth homer so I, you know, when he put out there, it was like the bat signal. I'm section, you know, you know, lot twelve. I'm giving away, you know, brisket, breakfast burritos, and beer. I was like, Travis, I don't think you exactly know what you're doing. So I had, I got to talk to him for a little bit, and he said every every day it just felt like I need to order more and more and more. And I, I kid you not, the line to get meat was at least 150 yards at, at its peak, and it was at that moment that. The family wanted to go over to uh, to game day, and I was like, "Let's go!" So I was lucky enough to be there early, and they were giving away free beer and free food. Travis did a killer job. He and his wife. That was I was so impressed with that. So awesome. that was kind of the the anchor tailgate event. So, but he was. Uh, people were asking about you, Jeremy. They're like, "Where's Jeremy at?" I'm like, you know, he's sitting in a luxury box with Jerry Jones. So <laughs> I've had two embarrassing moments this year because I don't. I'm not real big on self-promotion. I don't tweet a whole lot, don't do a whole lot of stuff. But I was getting my credential yesterday, and someone's like, hey, Jeremy, blah, 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 go Frogs, you know, doing whatever. Then they come back and say, hey, can I get a selfie with you? I'm like, this dude wants to get a selfie with me. I'm going to make this picture look bad. And the same thing happened to me at Kansas. So it's really I, – I like the attention, but it's like it's awkward because I don't feel like – I guess we're popular, Jeff. I guess you know. I guess I guess we do have some popularity. You know, I'll I'll admit it's kind of odd. Now, now, like you, it, it actually makes sense that someone want to take a selfie with you because, you mean everything you follow with recruiting, every you know all the access that you've had through through multiple program, uh, you know, leadership the program now. Uh, but you know, I, it is weird. Some guy asked me for a picture. That was super awkward. The only t- last time I was asked to take a picture, I had to face forward and then turn and face left. <laughs> so I was really, I was really shocked by that. I'm like, excuse me, like I'm, I'm sorry. We, we, what? Why do you want a picture with me? <laughs> like, but all that's to say, man. If you listen, we thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And guys. yes, if you want to take a selfie, you it, going forward, um, it's ten dollars a picture. And we would definitely be glad to do that. Shout, definitely be glad. Shout out to Chauncey Franks because he is mm-hmm. one of the best dudes you'll ever meet. Just He is. I, I, I love the guy. And we were leaving today in the parking lot. He stops and you know we're talking about, man, this is just crazy. It's crazy we're talking about TC being number three, this and that. And he says, I can't wait to listen to the Frogcast. Love you guys. And so wow. a guy like that's giving you props. You know you're doing something right. I wanted to ask because Pete, when people go to Jerry World, it's so big they get lost. Yes. How how was it for you? I mean, I I know you don't go to Jerry World a whole lot, but did you 
Did you hear any complaints? Did you have any complaints trying to find your seat or navigate yourself around there? Well, I was lost, and I went in the wrong gate. And especially, they said for the Cowboys games, you can get to the seat anywhere, but not at um, at, at this game. And so the club seating was really restricted. So basically, I was standing at the bottom of the steps that I thought were going to take me right up to my seat in Section 221, and I thought, well, all I got to do is get through here. And this lady's like, I'm sorry. I know this is annoying, but you can't go this way. And you have to go all the way down, go up four flights, and then come all the way back down over there. And so I'm in section 221, and the guy right next to me says, I'm going to 217. And she says the same thing. And I'm like, hey, buddy, why don't we go together? <clears throat> We're going to basically the same spot. And so we turn and we walk off and about two, you know, two steps down. I'm like, well, you know, you got a TCU hat, you know, where, where are you from? And he goes, oh, I'm from Council Bluffs. I was like, well, are you related to Max? And he goes, I'm Max's dad. And so all the, basically walking what felt like a lap and a half at Jerry World, I, I got to talk with Coach Jim Duggan and it That's, was really, really cool. That is awesome. And, um. It, and you're, it, it, you know, it was cool. We we did talk a little bit about TCU, but not a lot. The cool thing was, and you'll know this, we talked a lot about Iowa high school football, and that that was kind of cool because you know we knew who the programs were, we knew who some of the coaches were. Um, if he, uh, if we could have kept walking, I could have walked him through the greatest upset in the history of Iowa high school football in 1992. But I have a feeling he wanted to watch his son try to win the Heisman Trophy. But it was really cool. And, you know, Coach, you know, Jim's a very genuine man. I really enjoyed talking with him. But he brought – I mentioned to him right away. I said, like, well, you know, I work with Jeremy. He brought up right away – and you, I don't know if you'll believe this. He goes, Max is so sorry for being rude to Jeremy um, years ago when Jeremy came <laughs> to watch him play. And I – you had told me that story, and you're like, it wasn't like he was even rude. He was just mad that he had thrown a pick, and wasn't, wasn't it a blowout, like 51 yeah. to seven? But he had yeah. a bad, he had an interception. Jim must, Jim must and he read, text, texted you. Yeah, Jim must read the board too, because I posted on the board when we were talking about. I think when someone put the Heisman video out, um, that TCU had done, and I'd posted in that thread about the whole story, and and uh, yeah, so they win 51 to seven. Max counts for six touchdowns, and the the people around uh lewis central they were giving me heck because they were like you know he had thrown 26 touchdowns with no interceptions this year until you came to watch him play <laughs> they were giving they were giving me heck for uh bringing on the bad the bad mojo to get him throwing interception but yeah that's that's funny man that's funny yeah jim is jim is an awesome awesome guy and they they treated this texan with great hospitality when i came up there to watch max I, him and his wife and, and sam I've, I've never met max's sister but i've met sam a couple times and man sam sam is just a incredible person just a just a great great person the whole family's yeah. the whole family's great you know every interaction i I've really, I really enjoyed talking to him we kind of we kind of had a shared dad moment over some stuff it was it was really cool i was really I, I, I was I was humbled, and um, it was it was good to talk to him. It was really good to talk to him. So, all right, all right. I got a couple of things to wrap us up here, Jeremy. Right. Are you ready? Yep. Let's go. Back Let's go back a couple of weeks. You you solicited on the podcast all you haters and losers that didn't want to hire Sonny Dykes. If you want to send in your apology letter, you're more than welcome to do it. Well, guess what? 
somebody wrote me an apology letter and said, "Don't use my name, but I wanted to. I wanted you to pass this on to the frogcast." Oh man, hold on! So I, 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 I can't turn read this up. the whole thing. <laughs> I can't read the whole thing because it's like a dissertation. I mean, this guy put so much thought into this, and I kind of want to honor it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit some of the highlights, okay. but. You said, hey, if you if you were one of those folks that said, I don't like Sonny, I'm sure you're talking a different game now. Well, this guy owned up, so I want to give him credit. He owned up. I'm not going to use it. He said not use his name, so I'm going to respect that. But <clears throat> let me give you a couple of chunks here. Loyal Frogcast listeners, board members, and TCU grads, um, I'm, a, I'm a loyal to Horn Frog Blitz, and I love listening to the show. I'm writing you this email because a few weeks ago you offered listeners who doubted the Sunny Dykes hire to email you an apology letter, and ever since then, my frogs and fellow odd, uh, my friends and avid Frogcast listeners haven't let me leave it alone. In my in, in a friend group, I was the skeptic, so to, I would make their day and get them off my back. If you would be so kind to acknowledge this apology on the podcast honestly i'm apologizing not just because my friends would love it but it's the right thing to do i was wrong about the dykes hire and i could not be more happy to admit it uh so like many i was skeptical of the dykes hire cal tenure aside i knew he could recruit and win at a high level his smu time showed he could absolutely thrive in nli and in marketing landscape but I still thought the hire was lazy. I really thought TCU was just hiring the guy who owned SMU. Boy, was I was I wrong. I was I had no factual reason to not like the hiring, and I think humans are just naturally averse to change, and it makes me so uncomfortable. I'm skipping like paragraphs of this. So let me get to the very end. Sonny is the right man for the job, and I didn't. And I'm sorry I didn't see it sooner, like some of my friends did. Dykes has confirmed my long-standing suspicion that I always that I often don't always always know what I'm talking about, and I will be the first in line for the unveiling of the Stike statue in 20 years. <laughs> well, we, you know, I, I think I speak for uh, me and you. We at the Frogcast definitely accept his apology. And I'm sure Sonny Dykes would, too. Um, takes a takes a bigger man to admit when you're wrong. And I, I uh, applaud you, sir. Whoever you are, Jeff, tell me who he is when we stop recording. I will. I'll okay, cut. thanks. Um, you know, it takes a big man to apologize, and it takes a bigger, an even bigger man to laugh at that man. I am laughing at that man. Hey, that so we, awesome. uh, since Sonny, since Sonny went four and O oh in November, can November mm-hmm. Sonny be known as like kick ass November Sonny? Yes. Okay. November Sonny means um, you're gonna you're gonna launch a Heisman campaign. You're going to smoke your rival on the last second play and make them cry and drink their own tears. You're going to annihilate um, a blue blood program whose ranking is built on um, uh, uh, the media hype hype machine. And recruits. How does that sound? Does and that recruits. Sound like a, that, that works for me. And, and recruits, recruits yeah. yeah. And, and, and they're going to have recruits on their campus, and then they end up committing to you. So <laughs> that's, that's November Sunday. That's November Sunday from, from hence this point forward. We have stole no. We have stolen November Sunny from SMU fans and made it our own. Yeah. When I think, when yes, I think, when I, I'm sorry. I know we're running long, Daniel, and I'm sorry, but I, I but care, I got I got to bring Go. this up. I laugh so much when I think back to when they played SMU and the players are going toward the tunnel, and there's this 
middle-aged guy just giving these players, TCU players, all kind of hell. Wait till November, Sonny. Wait till November, Sonny. And his kids bawling his eyes out, flipping off TCU players, dropping F-bombs, telling them to F you and everything else. Dad of the year right there. Dad Dad, of the year. And dad's just screaming, got both of his hands up around his mouth, you know, so he can echo a little bit louder. And I just think back to that guy. I, I know exactly what he looks like. I know what his son looks like. And I'm thinking, man, how bad do they hate life right now? Or hate not hate life, but just hate that Sonny's doing good. And yep. Yep. everything that they made themselves look like complete fools that one beautiful Saturday afternoon, your your coach that left SMU has now led your crosstown rival to their first ever college football playoff and is the first program in Texas to do so. How about that? How about that? So let's 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 t- let's extend it even further. <clears throat> Not only are SMU fans accepting their fate as being a really good um, uh, launching pad to go to another program to go to the college football playoff. Jeremy, do you know where Baylor is playing their bowl game this year? I do not. The Armed Forces Bowl at Amon G. Carter Stadium. Are you serious? Their trip, their bowl game, is to come and just be surrounded by a hype machine of TCU going to the playoff because of Bazooka. Wow. I mean, listen, Fort Worth's a great destination for a bowl game. I mean, those players are going to love it. They're going to love it. We've got indoor plumbing, gas stations. Hey, uh, could be a couple guys there that may not like targets. It could, could be a perfect opportunity to start working that transfer portal magic. Transfer portal. That's right. All right. Hey, man, Aranda's a great coach. A rule could recruit. I mean, I, I, I say we, you know, let, let them have a free tour. And that, that could be similar to when Texas had players on campus that saw what we did and ended up flipping uh this is this could be like an unofficial recruiting trip Sonny could come in and just give him a little pep talk you know to support the conference and be like you know so just just imagine imagine you're like a 315 pound defensive lineman just i just want you to go out there on amon at amon g carter stadium and look up and imagine this place full and rocking with support and just see how that feels and then kind of leave it at he's that, gonna say you know. just do your jobs just do your jobs. Do your jobs. Do your jobs. Do your jobs. Support, you, uh, represent the Big Twelve. Do your jobs. That's do your a, job. a, that, that'd be. That's all he needs to say. Period. But I'll, I'll tell you this: Big Twelve, eight teams make it to bowl games, yep. and other than TCU, I know I'm not supposed to cheer for TCU, but I, I I will admit, I want this team to win a national championship. Plain and simple, I want this team to win a national championship. But the other team I'm rooting yeah. for, the, the the biggest this this bowl season is the Kansas State Wildcats. I want those guys yeah. I want those guys to send a message because all I've heard today is Kansas State, TCU shouldn't have lost them. They're sorry, they're no good. I want them to go out there and just beat the brakes off Alabama. Really do. I know. I want them to beat the brakes. I'm pulling for them. Oh yeah, I'm pulling for the whole conference and I want Kansas State to to, I don't know, you know about Texas. Of I, I'm, I, I probably won't root for Texas. They're not 
They're not in the Big Twelve. Oh, that's right. Spiritually, so you know. SEC. Yeah. Think about the, and then we got it. We got to wrap it up. I know. Daniel's um, getting mad. Last year, Baylor, Oklahoma State, goal line stand, playoff implications on the line. That was an amazing game. Up to that point, that was the Big Twelve best Big Twelve title game I'd ever seen. This year. Overtime, two top ten teams, play top, conference title, playoff implications. You know, nobody. I, I lost track of how many people at church said that was the most exciting final ten minutes of football I've ever watched. You know what? Both of those amazing games have in common: no Texas, no Oklahoma. Yeah, very true. And by the way, very true. Props to both fan bases. There was basically seventy thousand people there yesterday. Oh yeah. A lot, yeah, of, lot of TCU fans, a lot of K-State fans. TCU fans were really loud. I love it. So TCU is going to – they're going to travel in droves out to Glendale. Yes, they are. All right, let's bring this close to – let's bring this show to a merciful end. Everybody, I hope you've enjoyed this season. Um, I really – we really do appreciate you listening to us. I appreciate your listenership. Jeremy appreciates your listenership. If you like the show staying on the rails and in the intro of the fight song, you got to thank Daniel Southern for keeping us um, on, in line on this show. We are really grateful for your li- for you all listening to us. If you if you do bump into us at a game, buy us a beer. If you do, um, you know, appreciate the show, give us a rating and a review. And if you haven't joined Horn Frog Blitz yet, um, you know, you need to stop living off the podcast and go join that because this is going to be the most fun uh, stretch run of recruiting playoffs and second recruiting season second signing day you got to get on board now the train is filling up come join us we are really appreciative and i i just want to say i really want to thank all not only all of our listeners but i really want to thank the program i want to thank the players i want to thank coach dykes and everybody from the top down this has been a heck of a season and we're in season two now it's we got a, a postseason with so much still out there in front of the frogs and I've never been prouder to be a Horn Frog fan than seeing us be the first team from the Lone Star State break into the college football playoff. Not the Aggies, not the Longhorns, uh, not Baylor, not Texas Tech, not Houston, uh, not Mary Harden Baylor. It is TCU, and I am really proud, and I'm looking forward to covering it going down the stretch. I don't know when we'll be back, but trust me, we'll be back before the Michigan game. We've got uh, recruiting to cover. we got uh, development about what's going on at practice. Surely there's going to be information. We didn't even get to – the, the the first home game next season is going to be Sonny Dykes against Deion Sanders. Time. So <laughs> prime time. We will Boy, you know, I think that's going to be. I spent some time on their board today too, just because I man they are, woo, they are doing cartwheels. I I got a lot of thoughts on that hire. I mean, <laughs> I I got a lot of thoughts on that hire. We'll we'll, we'll get to it. We got plenty of time. We won't be short for content. All right, well, let's wrap this thing up. For Jeremy Clark and for Daniel Southern, I am Jeff Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening to The Frog Pants.